Welcome to the Horses Equine Innovators Podcast, sponsored by Zoetis Animal Health. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of The Horse. Every day, researchers at universities and other institutions around the world are investigating new ways to care for and understand our horses and the horse industry. In this podcast series, we talk to those innovators to learn more about their work. This podcast is brought to you by Zoetis, now introducing core EQ innovator from Zoetis, the first and only vaccine to protect against all five potentially fatal core equine diseases in a single injection. Talk to your veterinarian today to schedule your horse's spring vaccinations with core EQ innovator. So today we're in an unprecedented time in the middle of a global pandemic. COVID-19 has shuttered the global economy, and many of us in the United States are under state stay-at-home orders. That has left economists warning of an upcoming recession or perhaps even a depression. To help us understand the economic impact of COVID-19 on the horse industry, we are joined by Dr. Jill Stowe. Dr. Stowe is an associate professor in the University of Kentucky's Department of Agriculture Economics. Her areas of specialization include the economics of the equine industry and decision making under risk and uncertainty. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us, Dr. Stowe. Thanks for having me. So this really is an unusual time. Uh, we had scheduled a conversation or I was supposed to interview you well before COVID-19 happened, um, but we thought with this change in the economic climate that it would be a great time to talk to you about how this is impacting the horse industry. Um, but let's start with your interest in equine economics. Uh, where did that come from and, and what role does your research play on the industry? So um, I grew up on horseback and I ended up down the road getting my PhD in economics and was very fortunate when the University of Kentucky launched the equine programs that they were looking to hire an economist to do um, economic research on the horse industry. So that was a perfect marriage of the tools I've been trained with and a passion I've had since I was little. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate that I get to teach students about material that I am passionate about and that I get to do research in that area. And in addition, that um, that the work that I do is important for people involved in the industry to help understand how the markets work and what's happening to them. So can you tell us how big the equine industry is and what the different parts of that industry are? I think a lot of us as horse owners, we think of maybe our recreation, recreational horses or the show industry, but I know it's a lot more complex than that. Sure. You know, according to the last um, nationwide study done by the American Horse Council, they estimated that there were a little over 7 million horses across the United States. And uh, by far, they are involved in non-racing pursuits, although myself being located in Kentucky, um, certainly racing and thoroughbreds is one of the things that comes first to my mind. Um, but there are horses used for competition, there are horses used for work, there are horses used for therapeutic um, pursuits, there are horses used for recreation, and uh, there are lawn ornaments. So I know you have been watching the U.S. economy and the global economy really closely uh, during 
COVID-19 and how, as it's unfolded um, for us, what are you seeing as an uh, economist? So the things that I am watching for are the restrictions that states and countries have placed and how they affect movements of people and animals. I am paying attention to how many people are filing for unemployment. I think it's a little early to keep an eye on numbers that might um, give us an idea of what's happening to our country's GDP but that is certainly going to be a key indicator in what's going to happen in these markets. So what is the cascade or the connection between the U.S. economy and then the horse industry? Do we tend to follow the economy or will we feel a shift or a change really abruptly or is it we don't know in this current situation? Well, it's interesting, you know, in general, although many people are employed by the equine industry and rely on the industry to put food on their tables and to pay their mortgage every month, um, is that horses are considered luxury goods. And in economics, when we're talking about luxury goods, those are things that people are spending their disposable income on. And when we have downturns in the business cycle, like the one that we are staring at right now, the first thing that happens is that people tighten up their disposable income or they, they lose it, right, because they've lost jobs. Um, and so because of the type of the market that the horse industry is, um, it tends to react very quickly to downturns in the market. People are going to contract right away. They're going to go into a really conservative mode. Um, and, you know, I think that in terms of recovery, the equine markets will lag the general economy by a year or so as, as consumers um, gain more confidence and feel a little bit more certain that, that things are going well. Um, the interesting thing with the horse industry, though, is that at least parts of the industry, like breeding and other types of agriculture, there are biological constraints. And so even though we might be looking at a recession and predicting that there aren't going to be as many people willing to buy horses in the future, horses are already bred right now, you know, so there's not a whole lot that can be done immediately to uh, reduce the number of foals being produced. So, but there has been an effect on those horses that were ready for sale, especially in the thoroughbred industry. And I think that also in the sport horse industry, imports from Europe have pretty much stopped. Um, what what are you hearing from the people that you are talking about or talking to uh, about horse sales? Well, you know, I, I always I pay really close attention to the thoroughbred auction markets and and the, the way the timing works on those is that early in the year we have the two year old and training sales and then they're followed a little bit later in the year, sort of July through October range by yearlings and then the weanlings are typically sold in, in November. And I think the US uh, tried to we tried to hold one two year old in training sale in Florida in March, early March, and it did not go well. And so I know that a number of two-year-old and training sales have either been canceled or postponed. And what happens as a result of that is that um, the investors who bought yearlings to sell them as two-year-olds uh, now are unable to move that stock. And so if they are, are not able to move that stock, it's like the pipeline gets clogged. Um, so they're not going to be able to reinvest in yearlings in in uh, September or October, and then the, 
the people who typically buy weanlings to resell as yearlings, they're not able to move their stock. And so then we don't have the people buying the weanlings. So it's, um, uh, you know, the longer this goes on, I think, of course, the, the bigger the impact it's going to have. So you mentioned the biologic constraints on this industry, and I know that feed is one of those things. You know, we, we grow our feed, um, and a lot of our hay gets exported to China. And I heard early on before COVID had made its way to the U.S. that it was going to impact hay prices here because we weren't exporting so much hay. Um, are, are we seeing any pressure on hay and commodity, commodity prices for feeds? You know, it's a little difficult to, to track the data that would be uh, really relevant for equine markets. But according to some data that I've been watching from USDA, I'm not seeing anything in the hay markets right now um, that would show an effect one way or another. Uh, given the, the people that I've talked to that are involved in the feed industry, they feel very strongly that um, weather conditions and weather abnormalities play a much bigger role in pricing of pays and grains um, than, than a recession like this would. Um, but with that said, one of the areas that we might see an impact is if um, a lot of the labor force who's involved in producing hay or producing, um, harvesting the grains and so on, gets sick and can't work, then that disruption in the labor force will definitely, we will feel that in the, the horse's food chain. So we at the horse have been watching a lot of cancellations happening in the horse industry. You mentioned the sales being canceled for the thoroughbreds. Um, how are those cancellations affecting the industry and what kind of changes are horse people experiencing? I know that I hear some barns where it's business as usual, people are riding and people seem to be staying healthy. And then there's other facilities that are completely shut down uh, and owners aren't able to go see their horses or that the staff's having to put in overtime to care for those horses because they can't get out as much because their owners aren't there. So what, what kind of effects are you seeing on the the horse industry right now? Yeah, so we, we already talked about the sales um, and you had mentioned the, the competitions that have been canceled since early March and I think now are extending into June even. And of course we saw the Olympics postponed for a year. Um, and certainly with all those um, comes job loss, people that are employed by those events. Um, you know, I think uh, we're a week and a half away or so for our a week away of what would have been um, Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, which is something that we all look forward to out here. And um, and that brings a loss in regional economic development. You know, those events, those big events bring a lot of people um, from across the world to our area. And that's going to happen wherever these events are happening. You know, the Kentucky Derby was postponed. That's a huge one, too. Um, and there's lost income from, you know, trainers who depend on selling horses and competing horses, and and those are some some direct impacts there. Um, you know, the the boarding facility issue is really interesting because state by state and country by country, I think the way that they have decided to handle those restrictions are different. And I know in some countries, and I think in some states in the U.S. Um, it is 
illegal uh, to go to go ride your horse. Certainly, uh, feeding needs to take place, care of the animals, but but riding is not seen as seen as essential. Um, in a state like Kentucky, there's a little bit more flexibility on the part of the barn owner to comply with CDC regulations as they see fit and to operate their facility accordingly. So we have some barns that are open, some barns that aren't. Um, and I think I think really, you know, everyone is trying to do the best they can with the situation that we're in that nobody knows how to deal with. But, um, you know, in, in as much as we've talked a, about a lot of monetary effects, um, those of us involved in the horse industry uh, value our equine therapy, right? And it's hard if you can't go see your horse, if you can't ride your horse, you know, people have goals and they, or it's just wonderful to spend time around a horse or on the back of a horse. And it's, um, it's hard. It's a loss not to be able to do that. So you, your research covered the Great Recession, which was uh, 2008, 2009, which had a, a huge impact on the horse industry, on registration numbers and activity within in the horse industry, and even development of uh, new products for horses slowed during that time. Is there anything from the Great Recession that you think can apply to today to help us understand what we're experiencing and what to expect in, in the years ahead? I think that we can learn a lot by looking at how the, um, how the industry reacted after the recession or as a result of the, the recession and then sort of how it climbed out of it. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of data from um, certainly different numbers related to the thoroughbred industry, but also the American Quarter Horse Association, which is the largest breed registry in the world. I've looked at a number of breed registries. I've looked at other discipline related registries. And, um, you know, there, there was probably a for roughly a three to four year downturn in the markets before we started seeing some kind of improvement. And improvement can be defined in different ways. It didn't necessarily mean that more horses were being bred. We haven't seen an, uh, an upward trend in number of horses bred, and that might not be a bad thing. You know, we, we found ourselves in a really terrible position with a lot of horses um, that suffered after the Great Recession because People couldn't take care of them and we couldn't find homes for them. And um, so that the fact that we're dealing with a smaller equine po population is probably helpful. But in terms of sales prices stabilizing and, you know, people feeling comfortable competing again and that sort of thing, that that took four or five years to to see the upswing. So, you know, we can look at those numbers and and understand how. Um, memberships and revenues and participation um, was were affected by the recession and how long it take for, took for that to sort of start climbing out of the hole again. So you mentioned the horses during the Great Recession that uh, were without homes. Um, so are we starting to see that yet? I know people were at a point where people have maybe missed their first or second paycheck uh, if their jobs have been affected. Um, and their home budget might be changing. Um, are we seeing pressure yet on the rescues that are taking in horses or 
in the general horse owner's ability to care for their horses financially. Um, I, I, the concern is certainly there. You know, I think we're maybe in the stage right now where we might start seeing an upswing. Um, one of the areas where I have a lot of concern actually is in the racing industry because with so many racetracks shut down, all of a sudden you have these horses that are accumulating monthly train and training and board bills that don't have an outlet to to earn money um, to to try to help pay some of that back. Um, and you know that that's a big concern of mine if we have a bunch of horses coming off the market at the same time that need to find new homes. Um, I think in terms of personal horse owners, as I would uh, categorize myself, that effect might be a little slower. Um, it might be another month or two down the road and might be able to sort of patch things through. Or, you know, there are some resources out there that might be able to help uh, serve as a Band-Aid. Hopefully this doesn't last too long uh, to tide us through some of those tough points. But I, I certainly think that there's an impending welfare issue brewing. So we've also heard about supply chains for pharmaceuticals for humans um, getting clogged um, or that there has been um, certain uh, drugs that have sold out um, or that that people haven't been able to get their hands on. Are we seeing that affect our horse and veterinary pipelines as well? What What are the veterinarians telling you? So, you know, our, our veterinarians have had to adjust what they're doing in their clinics as a response to COVID-19 as well. They've changed their protocols to try to limit interaction. Um, like a lot of human hospitals, they have, they're deferring elective procedures for now and are really just concentrating on the emergency and urgent um, situations. And you know, I, from, um, I talked to a veterinarian at one of our local clinics and he felt like all the clinics in our area and even, you know, beyond, certainly they've been, been talking at a national level, um, have what they need in terms of personal protective equipment and so on to perform those necessary procedures. Um, he didn't seem to be concerned about any shortages as it related to any of the pharmaceuticals that they were going to need. Um, he indicated that, you know, perhaps in an area where some um, pharmaceuticals are used for both horse and human health, like maybe with antibiotics, that that might be an area, but that didn't seem to be a concern at this time. So for the horse owners who are facing uh, tighter budgets coming up, um, have you looked at the areas where maybe they can safely cut expenses on their horse care without having any long-term negative effect on their, their horses? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. And I think it's something that we've, we've all been thinking about and I think what's really important is for each horse owner to first um, to put put their horse's basic welfare um, at the forefront. Um, one one animal science researcher said that really horses um, they require the three F's: forage, friends, and freedom to move around. And anything else on top of that is sort of icing on the cake. Um, 
we are very fortunate here in the United States to have great equine research and great really wonderful management techniques techniques to get the most out of our horses. But at a time like this, when people need to cut costs, it's important to sit back and think for each individual horse what is absolutely necessary to their basic welfare. Um, you know, we and I and I have a lot of friends employed in the feed industry and in the supplement industry and that are farriers and lessons and trainer, you know, that they they give lessons and they're trainers and um, understanding that some of the things I'm going to say are going to affect their income and that's hard, hard to do. Um, but, you know, I think horse owners need to think about for their own individual horses. Um, are all the supplements that they're giving right now necessary? Do I need to buy more right now? Um, you know, if I live in an area where there's grass available for turnout, is it possible to for the horse to spend more time out in the field so that I don't have to buy as much feed? There are some horses that have health problems that that is going to be a danger to them. So, you know, I'm, I hope to communicate that um, that really it's a case by case analysis that needs to happen, um, but there are ways to that maybe in the short run that we can cut costs without risking the welfare of the horse. So Dr. Stowe, are there places that horse owners and horse industry business owners can turn for help right now if they need it? So there are some things happening both at the state level and national level that horse owners and horse operation owners can look into. So um, if if someone is having a hard time feeding their horse because they have lost their income or maybe a small business owner, a, a boarding facility owner is having a difficult time um, buying the feed that they need because their boarders haven't been able to pay board, um, there are some some resources that they can look to and and I would point those people to either the uh, United Horse Coalition website or the American Horse Council website because they are doing a fantastic job compiling that information making searchable databases so that horse industry participants can um, uh, look for uh, resources that might be in their state or available to them nationwide. So as things improve, because we we know that these don't these situations don't last forever, um, what will be some of the signs that we're getting back to normal economically? You know, um, when I look at sort of the economy as a whole, when we start to see GDP growing, so a, a recession is is defined by economists as um, periods in the business cycle where economic activity declines. A lot of people will say that it's not a recession unless um, GDP has declined for two quarters in a row, um, but not everybody follows that same that same definition. Um, and, and we certainly know that even though we are not formally in a recession right now, we're feeling it, right? Um, so I think that when GDP starts to recover, people are, you know, unemployment decreases and we sort of get back to our, our new normal lives um, that, that consumers will feel more confident again in spending money on, on the non-essentials um, and sort of getting, 
and re-entering um, cautiously. Um, and, and hopefully maybe a little more um, in case something like this happens again. I mean, this is not something that any of us could have predicted. It's not anything that's happened in our generation or the generation before that or the generation before that. Um, but are there ways as horse owners that we can guard against finding ourselves in a bad situation should something like this happen again? So I know that in the media, we've seen a lot of people innovating right now. You have people with 3D printers who are making components for PPE for doctors. Uh, you have new businesses springing up to deliver food. Are you seeing that kind of innovation in the horse industry as well? You know, certainly recessions like this can spawn innovation and we are seeing that in this industry as well. I have seen a number of people launching online competitions. We can't go to horse shows, but we still want feedback on our riding. And so there are outlets to do that. Um, back in, in March, um, one of the thoroughbred yearling sales uh, in Australia was held online. That's the first time that's ever happened. And by all measures, it was a smashing success. And I noticed that just recently, uh, Phasic Tipton added an online bidding component to all their future live auctions, um, you know, just, just sort of business as normal. So certainly we are seeing some um, evidence of, of innovation taking place in light of the really challenging circumstances. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, thank you, Dr. Stowe, for coming and joining us and uh, answering questions about this really uncertain time for horse owners and, and everyone in general. Thank you for having me. I want to thank our sponsor, Zoetis. Uh, for more from the horse, visit thehorse.com, sign up for our newsletters, or look for Ask the Horse Live wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please join us next time as we explore the horse industry further with equine innovators.